from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you this morning, Thursday, March 29th, and every single morning, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Hope you're doing well and hope you're making the most out of your week, out of your life, out of your day. I hope you're making the most out of all of it, so... Happy Thursday and hope that things are going well for you today and every day. So big ups to you and and a big appreciation for you going out there and being positive and and bringing to life everything that you could bring to it. Because if you don't, you know, that's the sad part. That's the sad part. So you got to give all that you got and you got to be the best that you can be every single day. And I know it's not easy. I know it gets hard. I understand. But it's that getting up every day and believing in yourself and doing the best you can. That's what makes you the amazing person that you are. That's what makes you reach your your full potential. That's what makes it special. So don't ever stop being who you are. No matter what anybody tells you, what anybody says, what anybody wants you to believe, don't you ever stop believing in who you are. And who you know yourself to be. You want to go out there and do it? Go out there and do it. To the best of your ability. Good things. Don't be out there doing bad things. But good things. Because life is meant to be enjoyed. Life is meant to be celebrated. Life is meant to be special. And what life are we living if we're living a life where we're afraid, we're not ourselves? It's not a life to lead. The life to lead is the one where you give everything you got. You do everything you can. And at the end of the day, you put your head on a pillow and you're proud of yourself. That's the life you lead. That's the only life to lead. So, I hope this Thursday finds you well. If for any reason you are downtrodden, sad, confused, feeling low, depressed in any way, shape, or form, I'm happy you came to this show. And I hope and I hope that when you, you when you leave the show today, you leave the show better, hopefully with some wisdom, happier, kinder, and just on your side. Loving you. I hope that you can take away from this show today that You are an important person in any room, and I don't care what room it is, and I don't care who's in that room. You're important, and remember that. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, we get you started in the morning with the morning menu, so let's get that rolling. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. 
the morning menu right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. That is the sound that you get to hear every single Monday through Friday that lets you know that we're about to unveil what we're talking about for the day here on Wake Up Call. As you know, and as I stated, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we are live on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, and every single show we bring you something different, something innovative, and we also have our staples. So we're different every week. We have live interviews. We're bringing people on. We're telling people stories. We're giving you something you can't find anywhere else. Even if those people are doing interviews elsewhere, or doing this or doing that, it never sounds like this. It never feels like this. It doesn't parallel anything because Wake Up Call is proud to be Different, original, innovative, a place that you could go to in every single week, expect that, I'm going to be honest, expect that it's going to be positive, expect that we're going to think, we're going to try and have some knowledge and wisdom here, expect that we're going to have some fun and some comedy, expect that you're going to hear the annoying moment of the week and through the looking glass and ingredients to success, you know, the things that, that are our staples here during the week. And significant sound bites and, and all of that. Expect the unexpected and have fun. That's what we're about. This show is not stats, 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 commercial break. That's not what we are. It's never what we were, and it's not what we're going to be. We're storytellers here. So, in today's morning menu, I'm very excited that I will be joined in just a little bit by Adrian Autry, assistant coach of the Syracuse Orange, longtime assistant, associate head coach, second in command. If anything were to happen, if Bayheim got kicked out of a game or didn't feel that great or whatever it may be, Adrian Autry steps in. So Autry is going to step in today and speak with me on the show, on the season, on what's to come. We're going to play a little bit of Rapid Fire, which is a signature segment that I brought on to the show years ago. And we're going to have some fun with it this morning. So you're going to hear from Adrian Autry. Then we're going to go to Syracuse football camp. Syracuse camp. In my coverage of the NCAA tournament for the last few weeks here, I haven't been able to do anything with camp. And now that the tournament is over, that that chapter is done for Syracuse basketball, I could open up a chapter on Syracuse football. So just like we did last spring, We are going to be getting phone calls from Syracuse camp directly. And God willing, this morning, you're going to hear from Kingsley Jonathan and Scoop Bradshaw on the show. We're going to try and do it right around 9.45 a.m. Eastern time. Practice ends at different times every single day, pretty much. So sometimes they call a little bit early, sometimes they call a little bit after. But I feel very privileged, very thankful to Syracuse Athletics, the Syracuse football program, to Mike Morrison and the whole team over there for being awesome to us and giving me the opportunity to be in my studio and still be able to cover SU football camp by having the guys call into the show and having them here. Because normally I'm on site, I go out there, I watch what I can watch. It's very limited what we can watch, but you know, you go out there and a few minutes early before the interviews, you try and see some things that that, uh, hopefully you can take back with you. And then you do the interviews. And with the changing times and the very early practices that they have, it's during the show. So I said to Mike, listen, I want to cover this team as well as I always have. 
And in order to do these interviews, I got to do them over the phone because I can't leave the show in the middle of the show. And they've been gracious and, and kind enough to understand and to say, you know what, Dan, if you can't leave, why don't, you know, why don't we do this over the phone? And you could still do the interviews you want to do and still be a part of this and, and have that coverage because it's important to you. And, and it is. So it's important to me. It's important to my listeners. So today, hopefully, we'll have cornerback Scoop Bradshaw on the show and defensive lineman Kingsley Jonathan. So we're looking forward to that in the latter part of the first hour. And then right around 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time, my guy Eric Kroom is going to be joining me again. He's come on a few Thursdays here at the uh, end of February, beginning of March. Those two specials are available now. You go to wakeupcalldt.com, click on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, the Podbean app, any of those, and you're going to find Eric Kroom right on the top, special number one and special number two. You can also find him on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, on Twitter at Call DT, and on Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. So make sure that you check that out because those specials, really great. He did a phenomenal job and uh, co-hosted with me the second hour of the show here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora those couple times, and we're going to do that again today. So make sure that you you find your way to the second hour of the show right here on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT and be a lot of fun. So, and we'll wrap up the show like we always do with ingredient with uh, pardon me through the Looking Glass ingredients on Tuesday. We did through the Looking Glass with Looking Glass events. If you're looking to plan an event in Central and Upstate New York, look no further than three one five. 702-4653 being the number that you call. That is for Kara Wasserback and the Looking Glass Events. 315-702-4653. Call them and get your event planned correctly today. We'll take a step aside here for a fast break, and we will come back with Adrian Autry in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com.
This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCall. DT, proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash DT. Become a member and you'll never miss a live show again, so make sure that you do that right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Once again, MixLR.com backslash DT. T, thank you so much for tuning into the show this morning. And without further ado, let's get into it with Adrian Autry. Here's my one-on-one conversation you won't find anywhere else at the end of the season, a miraculous season to some people, a hard-fought season that they always knew they could do to other people. And God bless me. And God bless them on the run that they had and everything that they did. With that being said, Syracuse Orange men's basketball through the eyes and through the words of Adrian Autry. Adrian, what was special about the team this year? What was it about their relationships? Well, I think this team was a team that uh, really kind of came together and they were together all year, to be honest with you. They all kind of had the same agenda. They were all going, working towards the same goal. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was good to see. You know, the season was up and down. It started off good, and then we had some rough spots once we got into the conference play. But it was good to see how it finished, that they, you know, they got in the tournament. They got a chance to kind of really show people what they can do and what they were built up. When you say that this team was together since day one, how did you notice that? What did you see with the team that, that just showed their togetherness from the beginning? Well, I think, uh, you know, when you hit when you hear these guys talk and, and when they're on the court and, you know, you see them keep encouraging each other and, you know, uh, you know, pulling for each other. And then, you know, you, when you see things like that, you know, you know that they're together. You know, I've been on different teams myself and witnessed different teams and things like that happens, you know, like no one is like encouraging, no one doesn't say anything. So, uh, you know, you, you start to see little things like that and uh, those things mean a lot. And when you see that encouragement for this team, you know, they've they've said, you know, multiple players have said that they didn't feel like they always had the encouragement and support of the fan base, but they supported each other. Just saw just how you saw them kind of go through that when they felt like they didn't necessarily always have the fans. How did they kind of get through that? I think, you know, I think they just kept playing and you know, I think, you know, which is kind of 
it's kind of, you know, uh, frustrating a little bit, you know, that, you know, that the fans really kind of didn't take to him as much as, as you know, as much as they would have liked to, you know, for, for those guys that make that statement and they, you know, they understand, you know, and, uh, you know, you always, you know, the one thing about it is, is this team always played hard and gave great effort, and you know, and uh, and they and they left it out on the floor every time. And now the result might not have been always what we wanted, but you know, you know that was they gave the effort, and I'm just I'm glad that it came together at the end, and that people started really you know appreciating that team and appreciating the efforts and and, and applauding them for it. When when you see them go through something like that, I mean these are young guys and and you know you and I have talked about this before Adrian that you know people forget that you know when when you get hard on this team or, or any team collegiately or yell at the team or whatever it may be that these are teenagers these are young guys they if they stay their entire time in college of eligibility that they have they spend half the time as teenagers so you know just just how you've seen them kind of handle that world and and you being a coach and being on the staff for so long how you handle the world of you know when people are really really hard on guys that are i mean they're kids they're teenagers well i think a lot of times when people lose sight of that and they lose sight that you know that these are someone else's kids and they got parents as well and uh, so I think a lot of times that's always kind of lost in so But, you know, that's that's the price that that's what comes with being at a, you know, uh, a blue blood, you know, program and having exposure. You know, that's the stuff that, you know, that they want to eventually get to. So, you know, I think you use that and you talk about that. And you just talk about, hey, you know, only thing that matters in here is this team. And these, are, you know, and these coaches and us and those are the only opinions that matter. And, you know, you, you know, that's all that, you know, that's all that should, should affect you. Speaking here with Adrian Autry, Syracuse assistant coach. Uh, you told me at the beginning of the season, Adrian, that with your, your new title, your associate head coach and, and where you stand right now, you said to me, I said, what does that mean? And you said, if Jim Beheim gets sick or if he gets tossed out of a game, I'm the guy that takes the clipboard. You didn't have to do that this year. Were you ready to be his, his emergency man? I prepare for every game for it, um, just in case, you know, you know, kind of want to go into those games with that because you just never know. Um, so, you know, I would like to say that I was prepared uh, in case of anything like that. So I always tried to keep myself kind of in the flow of the game in case of in case of something like that. And when we look at, at this team, speaking here with Adrian Autry, you know, th this team dynamic, and what they've had to do, you know, there there was no senior leadership on this team. There's no seniors moving on from eligibility from this team. How how strange is that for you? Because Syracuse typically has at least a couple guys that have stayed through their eligibility, and you know, for this year's team, there was no graduate guy that was still on the team at the end of the season. There is no senior that finished their eligibility. So how different of a dynamic was that for you? Uh, you know what? It, it, it didn't feel like that just because, you know, our leaders, Tyus and Frank and Pascal, but really Tyus and Frank, you know, they they have played they have played significant minutes, you know, here and they had a lot of experience. And uh, those are the guys that kind of had the ball a lot. So it didn't really seem like that. 
And when you look at it, though, I mean, as the team moved forward, like you said, it didn't really seem like that. Frank Howard had come onto this team and never really was asked to be an offensive player. You know, was asked to deliver the ball to where it needed to go to. But in his first couple seasons, I mean, we look at the junior year, this 2017-18 year, in and of itself was, in my opinion, better than his first two seasons combined. We look at Tyus Battle, who was a true freshman last year, comes back as a sophomore. Just what you could say about how quickly they learned how to be leaders and that, you know, this team, there was no margin for error. They needed them to be there. They needed them to be effective. And Frank Howard and Tyus Battle were effective, were relatively consistent, and, you know, always kind of helped Syracuse more often than not to find a way this year. You know, Dan, I, I think the, the thing was that they, they were thrust into it, but I think they knew it. Um, I think they, they really wanted those, wanted that type of role and stepping into it. I know, you know, all summer long, you know, we, you know, we prepared them for that. So I thought it was really good. You know, it's exciting to see these kids grow and grow as players, grow as, you know, students, grow as people. Um, and, you know, this year, you know, Frank Howard and Tyus, they both grew on the court and they both grew off the court. So it's really rewarding. I thought they did a tremendous job. Um, I thought they, they led and they were themselves. Sometimes people get an idea of how to lead, but that's not who they are. I think they stayed true to themselves and did a good job of leading. I think that's why, you know, at the end of the year, you know, we started getting some success. And when you look at, you know, the Minutemen is a term that's used for UMass. The 40 Minutemen is a term this year for Syracuse, O'Shea, Brissett with Tyus Battle and Frank Howard. You had O'Shea in your room, in your lab all the time. What can you say about this guy? I mean, there was hype coming in. There was expectation coming in. I would venture to say he's exceeded it. I don't think that we've seen half of what O'Shea can bring to the table. What can you say about O'Shea Brissett after his freshman year? You know, I was really surprised. I was really blown away um, about how consistent he was, you know, as a freshman, as a first-year player. Like, to, to be able to count on him pretty much every game, and he showed up pretty much every game. He had a couple, but not many. I thought that was really, you know, the, the, the most telling thing about him. And his preparation and how he prepared and how he worked was just truly, uh, you know, it was – it was it was just you know you just kind of seen everything kind of tie itself together and I just thought he did a phenomenal job what is it about him that I know I know you talked about the preparation and being ready but just what you could say about his character as a person just how you know he goes about his business because it is not easy for a true freshman to step in and do what he did let alone 40 minutes let alone multiple games of double doubles let alone taking over a game to you know even games in the NCAA tournament where he'd start the game not shooting well but you know if he wasn't making his threes and he'd step inside the arc make that shot and then go back outside and start working on that again I mean he just seems to have the mental fortitude and he seems to have the maturity that usually takes a little bit more time for some guys yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. You know, his, his maturity is, is is a little bit beyond his years. I just thought that he had a great demeanor. I don't think he ever got too high or low. Um, every now and then he got low, but I think he was really. I think he's very even killed. 
and you know he 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 has he he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He plays that way. Uh, when he he's such a nice kid off the court, but when you get on the court, you know he competes and he battles. And uh, you know I thought he did a good job of keeping his intensity level up all throughout the year and staying and staying level headed. People worry all the time about who's staying, who's going. If guys have good years, O'Shea Brissett at the end of the final game uh, against Duke and in Omaha, he just sat there with me, and, and, and I didn't ask him. I mean, that's not that's not really my my way of going about it. Five minutes after a game, are you staying or going? I, I think that's disrespectful to the run that the team made. So you know, I sat with O'Shea, and instead we discussed his thoughts about leadership and you know moving forward. And and he he just kept talking about. You know, Tyus and Frank were leaders to me, and I took so much from them. And I know what I need to do now with the freshmen, and I want to be a leader, and I want to bring them forward. And he just kept pounding that point of when these freshmen come in here, I know what I got to do. I want to be a leader. I got to do this. I got to. I got to give them what was given to me. Just what you could say about you know that response from O'Shea, just kind of pounding the table on. I know that I got a blessing with Frank and Tyus. Now I want to be the blessing for somebody else. Well, I think you know he, he has a respect for people that that have, that have been here before, before him, and those guys had the most experience uh, playing in college. So I think he he really you know tried not to let them down and, and then followed their lead. Now now I know that he's comfortable. He knows what it's all about. You know, I think he, he relishes in, you know, again, what we talked about earlier, in growing. You know, his next step as a person, his next step as a player in this program, you know, on the court, you know, is to be a leader. Now, next year, you know, think, you know, he will be a leader. And I think, you know, I think that's what he's excited about. I think that's what he was talking about. And I think uh, he's really excited about, about, you know, taking on one of those leader roles. Speaking on being excited, here with Adrian Autry, Syracuse Orange assistant coach and former player, Darius Baisley, getting him in the lab, getting him in the room. Alan Griffin has told me that he plays the game like Derek Coleman, the way that he moves his body. You have O'Shea Brissett, you have Marek Dolajai, and now you have this guy, Darius Baisley, who signed on the dotted line. Bring me into what you've seen on film and what you're excited about with Darius, because a lot of fans are, are very, very impatient about finally getting to see him in orange and blue you know what dan i'm a little i'm a little uh i got my, my all, all these rules i got it i got them a little confused so i'm not sure if i can really make any type of comments on them so i'm just excited you know to be adding you know to more to more depth to our program and i just look forward to, to the future I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> marek dolajai you went out to slovakia to, to get him to show him that you would go the extra mile for him. You and I discussed it. You knew about him before most. You went out and saw him. He told me he got phone calls from other schools, but he didn't get anybody that came out and got on a plane and saw him and his dad and spent some time. You went the extra mile for him, and he went the extra mile for Syracuse down the stretch. You look like, once again, Adrian, you look like you're you're, you know, a, a little bit of a coaching guru or, or genius and going out to Slovakia. So what can you say to me about this this Slovakian lad that did some good things this year? You know, I thought, you know, I thought he, he made tremendous strides, you know, uh, 
people don't understand, you know, the type of transition he had on all sides. You know, leaving his country, uh, being in another country. You know, you know, English being his second language and not really fluent at it, learning it. Uh, the style of play, basketball, um, just just everything, the culture, everything. I just thought he made tremendous, tremendous strides, and I was happy that at the end of the year. You know, his talent started to show um, what I thought he would be able to do. And uh, I was just truly excited for him and happy for him because he, he really, you know, he had, a, he had a big transition on and off the court. What, what went on in that transition? How did it come about? Because he was kind of quiet, you know, not, you know, he would go after rebounds but not really looking for his own shot. He constantly passed the ball off. And, you know, his jump shot was something that he didn't seem too confident in. And then all of a sudden, in the NCAA tournament, he just starts getting after it, going for his shot. He's taking the ball and spinning off of guys one-handed. We, I, I, he launched that three against Michigan State, and he had not, or it might, might have been TCU, he had not taken, he had not made a three more than one time in 34 games before that game where he launched it to beat the shot clock. I mean, he just, and he smiles through it, but his jump shot got better. He seemed to get more confident. What led to this big transition for him? What did you see when he was starting to turn the corner? Well, I thought he started really uh, concentrating, and I know we started working a lot, a lot more uh, on his shooting. Um, I thought he started to see some success in the shooting, so that kind of gave some confidence. But the biggest thing is was his players, his teammates. I thought they did an unbelievable job of encouraging him to be aggressive. And, you know, I've heard them say, hey, Marek, in order for us to be a really good team or for us to win, you know, you got to be aggressive. You can do it, you know. And I thought his teammates gave him the most confidence out of anybody, you know. Um, so that was – and that's why I said his team was – it was really uh, – everybody was on the same page. You know, Tyus talking to him, O'Shea talking to him. You know, I just thought that, he, you know, his teammates really did a good job of encouraging him. Elijah Hughes, he is one of the guys that's had to wait his turn. What can you say about him? I mean, there is some depth at the guard position now. I know he's been chomping at the bit and waiting, and with NCAA rules and having to sit out for a season, I know it wasn't easy coming from East Carolina. He's got three more years of eligibility. What can you say about Elijah Hughes as he steps into his first opportunity? He's been practicing with you guys, but now he'll finally get the opportunity to play. Well, I'm excited for Elijah. He's a guy that's very versatile. He can do a lot of things with the basketball. I think uh, he, he, he adds value to our team. I think he'll have a really good season. and I think uh, you know, uh, you'll see him. He kind of moved around the court because he's like I said, he's versatile. So I'm excited. I know he's, he's he can't wait. He's been chomping at the bit. You're exactly right, and I know he's ready to attack the summer and and get things going. And uh, before we get into a, a final segment with you, Adrian, I, I wanted to you know kind of look at what this team has gone through this year. Geno Thorpe comes in, you give him a scholarship, and he ends up leaving the team just a few games in. Torian Thompson had left, and on top of all of that, Tyler Lydon had left, Andrew White III finished eligibility, John Gillen finished eligibility. So, you know, there was, there was a lot of transition with this team. There was a lot of question marks with this team. What did you learn about this season? Because 
out of all the years that I've covered Syracuse, there's ebb and flow and there's change, but this was kind of a unique bird this year. So what did you take away from it? Well, I mean, I think, you know, what I took away from it is that, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when you when you have a small group like this, they, 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 their chemistry is a big thing. And I thought that was really, really huge. I thought they had great chemistry this year. I thought they all kind of respected each other and got along. And I thought that really was the biggest thing with this team. The chemistry was really good. I thought they all wanted to just win. I don't think anyone has selfish agendas or anything like that. You know, I think the, you know that, those are the things that I picked up from this year. You know, chemistry is really big. It really goes a long way. And, 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 and I thought that, uh, you know, having, you know, kids that really – you know, buy in and they want to do things together. That was, that was, you know, those are the two things that I took away from this season. All right. And the final thing that I want to do with you, Adrian, is I want to do something called rapid fire. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you real quick. I want you to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> I don't know if my answers are going to be rapid fire, but I'll try. All right. Okay. Favorite song of all time. Dougie Fresh the Show. What is that? Dougie Fresh the Show. Dougie Fresh the Show, okay. Favorite movie of all time? Hmm. Gotta say Scarface. Scarface, okay. Favorite actor of all time? Denzel. If anybody played you in a movie about Adrian Autry's life, who would it be and why? Oh my God! This is funny, Forrest Whitaker. Because <laughs> <laughs> you you do see. I'm happy you see that because I see that too. So why would Forrest? I see it. I no, I see. Listen, everybody tells me. Everybody tells me that. Adrian, he is one of the best actors that I have ever seen, and he was just in Black Panther. So I think you could do a lot worse. All right. All right. So Forrest Whitaker, awesome actor. Okay, let me think about it. How good will Tyus Battle be next year? Wow, uh, I think he would be a really, really good. I mean, ACC Player of the Year, good. Okay. If you could own NBA, any NBA team, what NBA team would it be and why? New York Knicks. All right. Favorite team growing up. What is the best piece of advice that anybody's ever given you? You can never count the next man's money. Fair enough, okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever given your children? To be themselves. If I asked your your four kids, your two boys, your two girls, if I got them all in a room right now, and I said, who is Adrian Autry, what would they say about their father? Wow. That's a different, that's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> probably he loves basketball and... He likes to eat, probably. <laughs> Favorite food, if you had to eat one food for the rest of your life? Uh, probably fish. Any kind of fish. Any kind of fish, okay. This is a three-part question. If you could go anywhere in the world, what's where would you go? Who do you take with you that you know? You can only take one person with you, and you can take one celebrity. Where do you go? Who do you take that you know? And what celebrity do you take? Uh, Australia, my wife, and 
Celebrity, oof. I don't know what celebrity I would take. Definitely would be a girl. Would not be <laughs> another guy. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I, I'm not sure about that. That's a good one. Uh, I don't know. All right, so... Yeah, I got to pass on that one. I don't know. Right, you're going to pass on that one. What is the best nickname you've ever gotten besides Red? Ah, Red is the best. I, I haven't gotten any other besides the Double A. That's about it. Double A, like door cell batteries, double A. Okay. If Jerry McNamara, Alan Griffin, Eric Devendorf, and Adrian Autry are in, a, in the building right now at the Mellow Center, who's winning that game if we're playing knockout from half court? Knockout from half court? Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Devendorf. between Devendorf and G-Mac. Me and Griff, we don't play like that no more, so those two, they still kind of get it up. Okay. If we're if we're playing in the trenches right now, and it's one-on-one -on -one round robin, which one of you four makes it out of it alive? I think Alan Griffin will do that one. I'm going to give that to Alan Griffin. Okay, why Alan on that one? He, he, he's a good, he's good, he's good in the trenches, man. He's good at banging bodies and spinning off and doing stuff. All right, fair enough. What is your favorite moment from this season with this team? I think the, 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 the win against Michigan State. Favorite Jim Beheim moment from this year? Uh, wow, you know what? Uh, just probably, you know, after the Michigan State game, just the way he addressed the team and and uh, watched and, and him stepping back and watching those guys put the you know that new board up when uh, I believe uh, Braden put it up, I thought that was really cool. Going off of that with Jim Beheim, what makes Jim Beheim relevant every single season, in your opinion? Forty-two years and counting, and he found a team that was five guys, five and a half, six guys and help them get all the way to the Sweet 16. What What is the magic potion of Jim Beheim? What makes him so special? I mean, he, he, he just, he's just, he's just one of the greatest coaches ever. And uh, I think, you know, his ability to put teams together, his ability to figure out people's roles and teams' roles and how the team is going to win, you know, I think that's, that's the biggest thing is how, you know, each team is different and he figures out how that team is going to be successful and how they need to play and how they need to win. It may not be to everyone's liking, but that's the thing that he does. And the last one for you, Mr. Autry. What is your favorite moment that you and I have had together? Uh, probably when Jacksonville was winning this year. <laughs> and I kind of gave you a couple of calls and you and I see you and you were a little cheesing after the locker room and won the games. Just cheesing, just happy. Yeah, yeah, I was I was feeling it because you know Kip Wellman gives me a lot of crap about Blake Bortles. So. I know, I know. <laughs> well, as always, Adrian, I appreciate it. I know you're heading to San Antonio to watch the Final Four, so I hope you enjoy it, travel safely, and I look forward to talking with you soon. All right, thank you. Take care, Dan. All right, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop. I always tell you to expect the unexpected. I said that this morning, and uh, and to be ready for everything. Here on the show, Syracuse football camp is in full swing for the spring, and I have the opportunity 
live on the line right now to speak with Kingsley Jonathan, defensive end of the Syracuse Orange. Kingsley, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing well. And, and Kingsley, you know, you had an opportunity to kind of, you know, get to know these things last year. As a freshman, you played in eight games. What did you take away from your freshman year? Now that you can kind of hindsight 2020, what can you say about your freshman year? My freshman year was a learning experience. I had, I had the opportunity to stay back and learn from people that knew what they were doing better to understand more the concept and what the defense is all about. So freshman year was more of a learning opportunity. And when you look back at that learning opportunity, what what did you take away most? What did you learn most about last year? I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the defense and the toughness we need to play defense and what we need on that defensive end spot. Like I learned a lot from Ken Coleman and um, watching um Alton Robinson. Like I learned about the toughness and what it takes to play that position on a higher level. What what can you say when you look at the tump the toughness and like you said you learned that from from Kendall Coleman and from Alton Robinson, what can you say about their toughness, their grit, just what they did in the trenches? Like, how, why, why those two guys are the guys that you keyed in on? Um, I can't say enough about Kendall Coleman. He he played with injuries, with nicks all over. He still played and gave it gave it a lot of effort, and he still had time to take me take me to the side and teach me a few things. It's the um, other freshmen like. And Alton Robinson, he's he's a tough, he's one tough dude. Like he still teaches and and he's still learning. Like he's doing good on the field and he still has the time to explain the concepts to me and the other freshmen. Speaking here with Kingsley Jonathan, live from Syracuse football spring practice. Uh, Kingsley, what can you say about spring practice so far? What have you taken away from it at this point? Um, spring practice is wonderful. I'm in better shape. I'm been, I'm playing better than I've ever did in my my entire life. And we're only getting better. So I love, I love how it's going. And we get better every day. And when you say that, you know, you're feeling better than you've ever felt, you're in you're in a, a better shape, just what did you do in the off season to get your body right and get your body ready? What was kind of your regimen to make sure you came into the spring better than ever before? Oh, I gave all the credit to um, the coach on um, the strength and conditioning staff. They got us, they got us ready, you know, seven weeks. Before spring ball, they got us ready. They got us lifting weights, running. They got our body feeling good. So I give all the credit to the um, strength staff. And then to uh, to get into practice and whatnot, you know, going up against the offense, what have you seen so far from the offense? We know that they're supposed to be fast. We know that, you know, this is a team that wants to get up and down the field and run a bunch of plays. What can you say about what you've seen in spring practice specifically from the offense that came in this year? Oh, yeah, the offense, they're getting faster every day. Like, like every day is just a little faster for them, and we have to catch up to them. So I see I see them being very fast when the season starts. So you see you see them being fast. What what can you say about their efficiency? Are they are they getting tougher and tougher to go up against? Uh, what is what is it like for you on the defensive line to go up against this offense? Um, I'm I'm grateful to go against them because they they're efficient. They play at a very high level right now, and to be able to go against that level of competition is making me better and making them better. So by the time the season kicks in, they'll be way better than they started the spring ball. Spring ball. And going through this, like you said, you learned from Elton Robinson and Kendall Coleman. What can you say about the rest of the defense, just how the defense looks, how you guys have been competing up to this point, just what you've seen so far? 
Oh, we're brothers. We look out for each other. We always there for each other, correcting each other, standing up for each other on the field, telling each other to step it up when somebody's slacking. Just, just keeping each other, uh, keeping each other in the online. Excitement, you know. Bring me into that. Some of the things that you're remembering from spring practice so far. Yeah, anything that you did that stood out? I know that there's been videos, there's been big time stops and big plays. What sticks out to you the most? What's been special so far? Um, so far I haven't made as many plays as I want to. Like I'm still getting better, but I'm, I'm still hungry to make a lot of plays. So I'm not gonna settle for a particular play, but I know I can make a lot more. And Kingsley, the way it looks right now, if it were to start today in the spring depth chart, you and Elton Robinson are the starting guys behind behind you guys, Zach Morton and Justin Ellis. What can you say about other guys at the defensive end position to go down that line a little bit? What can you say about some of these other guys and if anybody's impressed you at this point? Um, we're a very tough group. Everybody, we're learning from um, Coach Stanner, and he's, he's drilling us hard. We're learning, learning a lot, like... Anybody that steps up will be able to know what it's doing. Like, we're getting better every day so that everybody steps up will know what to do on the field. On the interior part of it, speaking here with Kingsley Jonathan, live from Syracuse Orange Spring Practice, McKinley Williams, Chris Slayton, Kenneth Ruff, Chris Elmore, who had been playing fullback last season, all those guys on the interior, what can you say about what they've done to help you out? What's what's the you know ebb and flow like, the connection like uh, of the unit on the defensive line as a whole when I name off some of these guys like Slayton and Williams and company at the tackle positions? Okay. Um, I, <clears throat> I can't say enough about our defensive tackle, man. They, they're a great group. They're a very great group. Like they work, We work closely. Like, we do a lot of workouts together on the field, like trying to get closer. Like, we're a brotherhood. We still look out for each other, tell each other the plays. We, we had to, we had to, the spring call, we had to make sure we echo the plays down the line so, so that we can improve our communication. Like, Chris Slayton, like, I mean, since last year, he's been looking out, teaching me most of the concepts of the defense, even Ken Ruff and um, Kellen Williams. They still look out, even though they play a different position. Like, we're still a brotherhood. And before I let you go here, Kingsley, the team went 4-8 and eight the last two seasons under Babers. There's been some big-time wins in that. You got to be a part of the big-time win over Clemson. What makes this year's team different? What are you seeing in this year's team that can maybe prove that the team is turning the corner? Oh, we, we, we're hungry. We're hungry. We, we're tired of that 4-8 and eight mark. Like, we're hungry. We, we're, trying to, we're trying to get to a bowl game this year. That coming from Kingsley, Jonathan, and 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 finally here, Kingsley, you come from Baltimore, Maryland, UMBC, first team ever in college basketball to defeat a number one seed as a 16 seed. They were 0 and 134 before that. Did you pay any attention to that? Got any appreciation for back home for that game? I I definitely did. I definitely did. I was able to watch the game, and it was a great moment for the city of Baltimore. And that recognition, like we're well, like people didn't even know what UMBC was for that game. Well, that was a great moment, though. Awesome. Well, Kingsley, I appreciate you taking some time from camp. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep fighting. I know you said brotherhood over and over again, and family is, you know, when you're in the trenches with family, it's a lot different than just a bunch of individuals. So keep doing what you're doing. I hope nothing but the best for you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. That coming from Kingsley Jonathan once again, that live from Syracuse football camp, live from Syracuse spring practice. Guys calling into the show 
And I greatly appreciate that. We'll take a quick, fast break. We'll be right back with Scoop Bradshaw. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily you know we bring in local produce we prepare to order in the kitchen we hand bread our chicken we hand spin our milkshakes it's it's great food it doesn't taste like fast food i I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a chick-fil-a restaurant it's different we we try to treat people with intentional kindness here which is very different and deeper than good customer service and so i think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. All right, we're back here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. A very quick fast break as we have Scoop Bradshaw here on the line from Syracuse football spring practice, spring practice in full swing. And we're sitting here in the studios, and thank you to Syracuse University, the football team, and Scoop for calling in here on the line so we can make sure that we get them on here and speak with them about the spring. Scoop, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing well. And, and Scoop, first and foremost, just what you could tell me about this spring. Why, you know, does it feel different? Is the team looking different? What is it about spring? I mean, you played as a freshman and as a sophomore. This is your junior season. What are you seeing out of spring practice this time around? Uh, I'm seeing better effort this year. I mean, we're doing pretty great as a whole team. I mean, we're doing great. We're going pretty fast. I mean, the defense is coming pretty long. The offense is as well. I mean, everything is going pretty great this year. Kim McLeod, who had been with the wide receivers, he's now the cornerbacks coach, so he's with you and and you're in his room. What can you say about Kim McLeod and and what he's done to help you become better so far? Uh, He's a very very good coach. He helped us a lot. I mean, uh, everything technique-wise, just getting our hands up at the line. I I mean, he helped us a lot of fundamentals first and techniques, and then everything comes last with that and um. He's a very good coach. I mean, it's very good to be in his room with, in the room with him. Um, and he, he just he just brings a lot of energy to us, and we just have fun out there, even the meeting rooms with him. And, you know, having him in the room, what can you say about what he does to compel you guys to be the best that you can be? What makes him a good coach? Uh, he looks at the little things on film. It's like we, we're a false step, I mean, and it's like, that's a false step. That'll get you beat. I mean, if we don't get our hands up, my hands down at the line, like, make sure your hands up. Um, he just look at the little things instead of the big things of the picture, like knocking the ball down well. He looked at that also, but it's about the little things that are, and the little techniques. 
fundamentals that'll get us better that he's looked at a lot. And, and Scoop, um, to look at something else that, that is going on, and, and obviously, I mean, you know that um, over the years, I've had the opportunity of talking to you the last four years, came down and saw you in Tampa, came down and saw Rex in Tampa, came down and saw you know other teammates that you had down there as well. Rex and you have always been family. You've always been brothers and you know that's kind of how I met you guys was you know these guys consider each other to be family and it's been that way all the way through uh, what can you say about your brother and, and the fight that he's going through right now uh, man, I miss him so much through everything I mean I went I went the ocean and back from I mean I can't wait till I get to take you back up here right now he, he's going through a real tough time I'm just trying to be here with him and be there for him and love the best that I do now, and and right now it's a hard time for him. And he's gonna get better. He's gonna do great this year. And he's gonna be back tough and strong as he ever been. What is it about you know when when we see Rex? You know he put out this message and he was like, "It happened, but you know bleep it. We're gonna get through it. We're gonna do this." What can you say about Rex as a fighter? Because he just seems like somebody who, if the world is standing against him, he's going to stand up and say, all right, well, we're going to beat it. So, you know, just what you could say about how strong of a person he is and, and just what he brings to the table. He, he, he's the strongest person I know. I mean, he, he knows he knows he's going to beat everybody. Everybody can be against him, and he he don't care. He, he knows he's going to win. He, he knows he's going to beat it. He knows he's going to win. I mean... He he, nothing can get him down. He he always happy. I mean, it, like you can you can you can try to get him mad. He'll make a joke out of everything. Like I don't know what can get him mad. I mean, he's he's a very very happy person. I mean, he he's not gonna be down about it. I mean, he's gonna know he can beat it. He's know he can know he can do good through it and get through everything he's been through because he's strong and. It's very, and he's very, yeah, he, yeah, he's just from a very person. Yeah. It's, 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 sometimes it, it's, it gets like pretty personal because when I think about it a lot, I don't really like talking about it, but yeah. Yeah, and, and I, and I can understand that because of the family and, and the fact that, you know, he's been there for you, Scoop, and, and just what you could say about, you know, kind of growing up with him and, and and being around him and and being on the team with him just you know what did he do to help you out because i know that you guys are brothers i know that you're family so what did he do you know down in tampa and whatnot to just make you better and and you know just help you out in your life uh, he made me better through everything school off the field home i mean make sure i stayed out of trouble i mean he'd come get me when, when there's trouble around I mean, he did a whole lot just in football, just just everything a brother would do for another brother. I mean, he always been there for me. Always. It was not not one time he never been there for me. Uh, and I'll do the same for him. So you look at fighting on the field here with Scoop Bradshaw, cornerback of the Syracuse Orange, live from camp. Does that give you an extra fight, an extra push? I know that you work hard. I know that you played as a freshman. I know that you want to be out there every single play. But does everything going on with Rex, does that make you even play harder and, and you know kind of put more out there for you? Do you feel like you have more energy, more fight when you're in practice now? 
Yeah, I have way more energy in my fire. I mean, every time I step on the field, I just thank him because right now he's not on the field. He can't do what I'm doing right now. He's going to do something right now, so I try to do everything for him on the field. I mean, everything goes out to him that I does. Every Everything good I do. Good. If I do bad, I got to get up, make it up for the next play for him. And before I let you go here, to look at the corners, to look at Chris Frederick, Fatu Malafonwu, Alan Stritzinger, who got moved over there, what can you say about your fellow corners right now as far as what you've seen from them, how you guys have been in the lab together, just what your takeaways are about the cornerback position? Uh, I'm going to say a lot of progression from them. I mean, we all learning together. I mean, we all just getting back to it, um, doing a very job getting to the fair room together without coaches, um, and off the field, coming in here sometimes getting a little footwork done. Uh, we're doing a very good job this spring. Um, it's going great for us. Uh, we just can't wait to get back to season this year. Show everyone we can do it. And in closing here, Kingsley Jonathan, who just spoken with me, he said, you know, we're sick of that four and eight line we're sick of being there you know this is a team that wants to go to a bowl game what makes you believe that this team can be better than four and eight and get to a bowl game and, and get past this are you are you seeing things in practice that are showing you that this team is is going to bring more to the table this time around yeah i mean we're doing very good as a whole team it's different this year um we're doing everything as a team i mean everything is going great for everyone every group DBs, linebackers, receivers, D-line, O-line. I mean, it's, it's going very great. I mean, it's different. It should feel different. Energy, the energy is different. The vibes off the field, in the locker room, on the field is different. I mean, we, we compete against each other every day. It's not one day we're not competing against one another. And and finally, just what, what makes it so different for you when you said everybody's getting better? Why do you, why do you, see, why do you believe that? What is it about this year, what are you seeing that's making you really just believe that everything is heightened, everything is 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 more than it used to be? Uh, just how it works, after the way we work, the way we we move, the way we move around with each other, the make the way we compete against each other, the way we talk trash against each other, talk to one another on the field, off the field. I mean, it's just competing out here. I mean, there's it, it, no way, there's no way around it. You got to compete. We we gonna show. We gonna we're going to show everyone we can do it this year. We're, trying, we're going to go to a bowl. We're going to get that. We're going to beat out last year's record. We're going to get a way better record this year. That coming from Scoop Bradshaw, corner of the Syracuse Orange. Scoop, as always, you know, I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. And, and please, you know, give my best to, to Rex and the family. You get an opportunity to talk with them. But keep doing what you're doing and know that you're appreciated always, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, take care. That coming from Scoop Bradshaw once again. Huh, Scoop gets me emotional on this side because I've known Scoop for a long time and and I know that that he loves Rex and I know that you know he'd do anything for Rex. I know that he would go in there and, and take the cancer out himself. And so, you know, it's way more than football. It's way more than sports for me. Anybody that's ever listened to this show knows that. It's way way more and scoop is just a reminder of the things that matter in life so and you heard him say he's like I get emotional when I talk about this stuff and you know it gets me emotional to hear about it so 
God bless to Rex and, and Scoop and the entire Culpepper family and Judge and and just everybody. God bless to each and every single one of you and and Robert Weiner, their head coach down at HP Plant in Tampa. To everybody. So Rex, you fight this fight. To everybody that's going up against cancer, going up against anything. Nothing is insurmountable. Nothing is impossible. Nothing can keep you down. And I pray to God that there will be a day where the word cancer is a word that we don't have to use anymore because it doesn't exist anymore. That it's curable, whatever it may be. And that stage this and stage that and you have this much time and this, that those are not conversations we have to have anymore. We need to work and focus and put our minds to positivity getting on Twitter and being negative and doing this, that, and the other. That's, you know, Twitter, Facebook, any of that being negative. It doesn't have to just be Twitter. But, you know, going out and doing that, that's not that's not time well spent. That's not energy well spent. That is time wasted, honestly. So we need to do better with our time, better with our energy. I need to do that. Maybe you need to do that. And we need to do that together. You know, if we're putting our time into figuring out solutions, then we can find an end to this stuff. Five minutes away from going and bullying on Twitter and spend that five minutes trying to find a cure for cancer, that 10 minutes, that hour, that hour and a half, spend it with your daughter, spend it with your son, call your father, talk to your mom, spend more time with your wife, spend more time with your dog, spend more time, you know, in silence and meditating. Spend more time reading a book, read a comic book, sit down, draw, sing, whatever you want to do. Our energy is precious and we don't always spend it the right way. Let's make sure that we do that and don't wait for cancer or AIDS or a broken leg or whatever it is to appreciate life. Appreciate life now and give it your all now. And to one of my longstanding listeners, Ecto Coors, this morning's a tough morning for you, brother. And I know grandma's in heaven, I know she's safe and sound, and I know she's always going to be with you. But this morning is tough. Spend that energy loving up your grandma, loving up yourself, and loving up your family, and loving up her loved ones. And just be a good kid. And you won't be disappointed. And the day will be a little bit, a little bit better. And if you need anything, you know where to go. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. God bless each and every single one of you. Don't stop fighting. Don't ever quit. Spend your time wisely. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, and we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's, it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant, it's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so 
Now, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Hope you're all having a good day and enjoying life, making the most of it, doing right by yourself and others, and I hope that you have enjoyed this show so far. We've had some awesome guests. Adrian Autry of Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball History, as well as a as well as the current associate head coach of the Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball team, coming off of a phenomenal season where they pl- proved once again that doubters are exactly that. They don't amount to anything. They don't really mean anything. They're just there, and you still got to go to work every day and do the best that you can do. Also, Kingsley Jonathan, I want to thank him for being a part of the show. And I want to thank Scoop Bradshaw. Keeping with Syracuse football and on the field, Eric Kroom played for the Syracuse Orange. He also had some time in the NFL with teams like the Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers. Eric Kroom has done a couple specials with me. You can go to wakeupcalldt.com right on the homepage, and you will find that right there on the homepage, you can click on the RSS feed, the Wake Up Call Show app, or the iTunes podcast, and if you click on any of those, they will bring you to the gallery 
And right there, you'll see special number one and two with Eric Kroom, where you can listen to what we had to say in our time spent together. This will be special number three, and it's live for you inside a wake-up call. We're going to speak on the NFL free agent frenzy as well as March Madness. With that being said, Eric, how you doing today? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. And uh, what's been going on with you? I know it's I know it's been a, a few weeks for us. I've been all over Brooklyn, Dayton, Ohio, Detroit, Omaha. So what's life been like for you in these last few weeks? Oh, man, it's just been good. Just spending time with the family, catching up on some sports, watching the tournament, checking out all the free agency action. So it's been just been a good couple of weeks. What can you say about, you know, you've been paying attention to the tournament. I want to go to something that I just spoke with Kingsley Jonathan about. You're on the defensive line for Syracuse. He's on the current defensive line for Syracuse. And he comes from Baltimore, Maryland. So him and I were talking about UMBC. The first time ever that a 16 seed took down a number one seed in the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Tournament. They were 0-134 before that, and now they finally have that win. What what can you say about UMBC? Because they didn't just beat a number one. They beat the number one overall seed, Virginia Cavaliers, who were the ACC regular season and tournament champions, took them out in the first game. What did you think about that? Uh, I think it was awesome because... Now you realize seeding doesn't matter as much as some people may think. Just because you have a reputation and a number in front of your school name in the tournament doesn't mean you're automatically going to win or entitled to something. It was good to see that because usually a lot of those smaller schools sometimes may lay down or get scared because of the name of the school. Those guys just came out and played their game and felt like they were the best team on the court today, which they proved. And another thing about the tournament, you don't have to be the super or the best team in the whole tournament, all you got to do is get hot and be the one game, whereas in the NBA, you got to win the whole series. All you need to do is have one good game. How does your bracket look at this point? We have – it's funny how Syracuse is the three one five, and in this year's bracket, we have 315 members. There's uh, – walleye guy, Sir Gesselot, is the guy right now that's in good positioning – he has three of the four final four, and he has Villanova winning it all. So he's at the top of 315 right now. I am not at the top. I, I thought that I was going to you know do some good things here. I thought Villanova had a really good shot, and and they are in it. But what does your bracket look like? Is it is it Christmas red or Christmas green right now? My bracket is in the trash. <laughs> it's over with. My bracket was destroyed after the first round. Because it's like even that game with Virginia, you never thought the number one overall seed of the tournament be knocked out the first game, and then you know, so only got beat. And so those are those little ticky tack games that's hard to guess sometimes because you try to guess the upset, but you really don't know. Especially a lot of smaller schools, they don't get a lot of coverage, so you're really trying to scramble and do some research or try to catch a few little tapes of these schools that's in the tournament that you might not hear about. So it's so hard to really determine who you think is going to pull off upset. Yeah, you know, and, and and I'm going to go down, and if you remember any of the upsets you had, I had Buffalo over Arizona because I said, you know, Arizona's going to try and score 70, 80 points. Buffalo's going to do the same thing. If they're running to 80, then the Bulls are going to run into that thing and, and get the, and I think they're going to get the victory. 
I had Buffalo. I, even though Nevada was higher over Texas, they were still an underdog. I had Nevada. I had, I'm trying to see uh, what other ones I had here. Rhode Island over Oklahoma. I had Syracuse in the playing game. I had Syracuse over TCU as an 11 seed. And I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that I had. I had Alabama winning that first game at least. I had Loyola winning their game over Miami. So did you have any similar to that? Did you have any other crazy ones that you got right? Or or did you go with most of the high seeds? I had the two Syracuse games, the Rhode Island game, because I didn't think Oklahoma was a good team at all from what I watched. And what other games did I have? Uh, I had Syracuse, Oklahoma, and that's really kind of like it as far as the upsets of just what I picked for the first couple rounds. So, you know, I mean, we, we're looking at this bracket and we're looking at everything that is, and, and like we were talking about, I mean, you know, any given time, somebody anybody can beat anybody in these games, and when we look at kind of where things are standing right now, I mean, this this is amazing. The funny thing about it is every team in the Final Four has won a national championship. Villanova has, Michigan has, Kansas has, and Loyola did in 1963, which was the last time that they went to the Final Four. And Wichita State, who's gotten so good, came out of the Missouri Valley Conference, moved to the American, and now out of the Missouri Valley, we have Loyola Chicago, who's in the Final Four. Wichita was in the Final Four back in 2013. So I find it interesting that the Missouri Valley Conference has now sent two in recent history to the Final Four, and in the changing of the guard after Wichita, Loyola picked right up and made it happen. What can you say about the Loyola story? I mean, that South bracket had Kentucky, it had Virginia, it had Cincinnati, it had Tennessee, and Loyola Chicago is the team that made it out. Oh, man, I think it was just such a good story, especially with uh, Sister Jean, I believe that's her name, when they become her young senior, her being like the biggest fan. And then you learn a lot more about these little schools and these players that you might not have known about. And you realize how many of these small schools have good teams. They might not have the top talented players, but they have very good and solid teams across the board. So it was good, especially with all those powerhouse schools in one bracket to see the, the small school come out in the Final Four. And nobody, and I'm not writing them off in this game, even though I believe Michigan will win, but I want to write them off. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that Loyola Chicago, I mean, we look at, they won their first three games by a combined four points and then they won the game in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four over Kansas State by 16 in that game. I mean, it's a team that just continues to play well. Sister Jean is is there. She reminds me of my grandmother. My grandma lived to be 100 and a half in nine days. Sister Jean going strong at 98 years old. Hopefully she makes it to 100 and past that as well. But, it's I mean, it is. It's, it's a feel-good story. It's a wonderful story. And this team doesn't back down to anybody. I think Michigan, even as a three seed, was somewhat of an underdog in this scheme of things as well because of North Carolina being in there. And and some people maybe thought Xavier was going to go far and Gonzaga and people that wanted to see a Gonzaga-North Carolina rematch from last year's championship game. So, you know, you look at that side of the bracket and it's relatively, you know, not what you necessarily expected. And then on Villanova and Kansas's side, these are two number ones. So left side of the bracket, frenzy. Right side of the bracket, things kind of worked out. So I find it kind of interesting and funny. And, and in the same respect with Kansas, Kansas got to the Final Four, but I still don't think that this is 
a great Kansas team. I think they're pretty good, but this is a team that lost to a bunch of unranked teams this year. I mean, they're surging at the right time. Seton Hall gave them hell. Clemson gave them hell. Duke gave them hell. They've won these games by, they beat Seton Hall by four. They beat Clemson by four. They beat Duke by four in overtime. So Kansas is squeaking by to get to where they are, and I credit them for gutting it out and getting these wins, but I I, I don't know. I mean, do you do you see more out of Kansas than than I do? Because I still think Villanova's going to the championship game. It's going to surprise. I really like Kansas a lot because just what I've seen on the tournaments last couple of years of having that good senior guard to propel them. If you really look at like the last seven to ten years, most of the teams have had like a uh, upperclassman guard to lead the way. Like, even when UConn, when Kimball was a senior, Shabazz was a senior, and now they got uh, Devontae Graham, who's went up through the ranks as a player from Kansas, and all. now he's a senior, and he's playing well, and they got Malik Newman playing his best ball since he's been in college because he was a McDonald's All-American, but he transferred from Mississippi State, so he's been averaging 20-some points in the tournament. He only averaged 12 throughout the whole season, so... I really look at good guard play in the tournament because a lot of times it propels you because you have that control on the floor and there's guys who's battle-tested. But I do also like Villanova and Bridges and all those guys. They really have way more depth than Kansas. That's Kansas' problem. They have no depth at all. No big man depth or anything. So that could potentially hurt them. So it's going to be a great game, I think. Speaking here with my guy Eric Kroom, Syracuse and NFL alum here on the show. We're talking about some March Madness going on right now and the the craziness of it all. I was asked uh, uh, just a few games into the season, who do I think had the best chance of making it to the championship? And I said, in that moment, Virginia and Villanova, in my opinion, had the best chance to go to the championship game and win. Villanova is that team that, that you know, kind of, you know, that 50% of my of my prediction is there. You know, Villanova carried their end of the bargain, so to speak. They are not a team that falls off completely. You know, when Syracuse is in the Big East and whatnot, Villanova never went away. You never really wanted to play Villanova. But Jay Wright's been there forever and a day, and they're relevant again. I mean, this is a team that is just number one seed after number one seed. They win the Big East tournament. They're going to the championship game. They're a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They're moving forward. They're always, I mean, the last few years, they're vying for the Final Four year after year after year, and here they are again. I mean, to me, when I look at all of these teams, Villanova, above all of these teams, are the ones that are surging and coming in. I mean, they're winning by, you know, you look at, like I said, Loyola of Chicago. They were gutting out their victories by a point or two in the beginning before Kansas State. Then you look at Kansas, who you know won by four in the last three games, each of those games. Then you look at Michigan, who had a low-scoring game against Florida State to get into this thing, and you know was kind of up and down and around the corner, had some games they got to 60, had some games they got to almost 100. And then you have Villanova, who is winning by 20, and then winning by 20, and then winning by 12, and going into their last game, winning by almost 20 over Texas Tech. You know, Villanova looks like that team that is the true number one. And I just, I'm looking at Jay Wright and what he's done in his history. And and Eric, I mean, we, we got to admit this fact. He was relevant and then maybe it dropped off a little bit and his relevancy is so high again. Villanova is one of those teams where they are consistent. 
And they're that team that when you see them in the tournament, they're nine times out of 10, 99% of the time, they're going to be the favorite in the game. Oh, I think I like Jay Wright as a coach because I think he developed his players very well because, for one, I don't think he gets the premier talent from the high school, but he gets a, a good crop of guys, especially being in a hotbed of Philadelphia, to get all those good guys. They produce a lot of good players in basketball. So he's in a good area for recruiting. And also, he keeps those guys together. A lot of times, you don't see those guys get rattled or you really hear nothing bad about the program. So those guys... Like Mikael Bridges, he started off as a role player. Now he's a potential top 15 draft pick. Won the national championship. He just was a role player coming in and giving minutes, spot minutes and things like that. Now he's a potential top 15 pick. So he does a great job developing his guys. and He has a nice crop of upperclassmen too, which is important in the tournament because those guys, some of those guys know what it's like to win their national championships. Won the national championship just a couple years ago. So it's not hard for those guys to be champions again and they know how to win and they have a good coach that leads them that they follow so i think they're a very impressive team absolutely that coming from eric room eric before we switch over to nfl free agent frenzy is there anything else with this tournament that stuck out to you i mean how about the syracuse run we didn't really go into that too deeply they were a play-in game exactly where i had predicted them to be i had them as an 11 seed play-in in dayton ohio and they were an 11 seed playing in Dayton, Ohio. So they went into that game, beat Arizona State, went on to play TCU and Jamie Dixon, who used to have their number at Pittsburgh for a while, and won that game, and then went up against Michigan State and a phenomenal coach at Tom Izzo and arguably the best player in the country in Miles Bridges, and defeated them without their starting point guard, without any point guard on the floor for the final six minutes and 39 seconds. And with Braden Bayer, a former walk-on who was given a scholarship when Geno Thorpe left, he's the guy that hunkers down defensively and helps the team get it done. And they move on all the way to the Sweet 16 this year and lose to Duke in a very close game that was a one-point differential multiple times in the second half. What can you say about Syracuse's run this year? Oh, yeah, I think it was more than I expected because usually I expect the team to be a little bit better, but they did a good job using the things they have. I think they really had a good chance at Duke. I just think they just didn't have enough depth in the uh, front court because they were getting killed on the rebound. If you look at that game, they didn't really play a bad game to lose the game. It just they gave up so many offensive rebounds to Bagley and Carter. That I think that really hurt them on those second opportunities to get those points on the uh, second chance points. So I think that really hurt them. But I really liked the way they did. I like Tyus Battle a lot, and I like Brissett a lot. Like, Brissett was really playing his tail off in that game for us. Going to the rack, creating, scoring opportunities for himself, and getting to the free throw line. And Tyus Battle, I, I always liked his game because he could create his own shot. He just plays the floor of the game. He doesn't really press too hard to get his points. And I like how Frank Howard kind of like even the whole trio out of just trying to command the offense and being being a floor general, which I like how Be- also like how Behans put those pieces together on the defense and he gets a lot of long rangey guys to play that zone, which gives a lot of team trouble. You see Duke basically tried to mimic what Syracuse does on the defensive end. If you really pay attention to the game, Duke was not a zone team; they played zone the whole game. That coming from Eric Room. Duke, in order to beat Syracuse, had to try and play like Syracuse. 
That coming from Eric Kroom, Syracuse, and NFL alum. We'll take a step aside here for a fast break, and we will come back on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for the NFL free agent frenzy and everything that's been happening in the NFL. A lot of guys changing places, a lot of guys getting paid. We'll talk about it in just a little bit. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. So look professional, look good, and feel good. Outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. If you haven't become a member, the time to do so is now. It is free and easy to do. You go to MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. You click on follow, that'll prompt you to create yourself a username and link it to an email. You do that very simply and very easily. And the reason why you need your email is so that they could send you the information when the show goes live. You'll never miss a live show again. You can chat with me in the live chat room and you can, you'll be the first one to know when the show goes live. As soon as we go live in studios, you get sent an email and all it says is, would you like to listen? You click on yes. And you're listening to the show streaming live from any device that you have that has the internet. I'm here live on the line with Eric Kroom, Syracuse and NFL alum. Eric and I have had some conversations over the last few weeks. And Eric had the best piece of advice that anybody has said to me in a very long time. He said, you need you a good day of sleep. And because the doctor ordered that, I might oblige Eric Kroom and give myself a day of sleep coming up very, very soon. So, Eric, listen, I am one of those people that does not stop. I expect a lot out of myself. I keep going. I keep pushing. But, you know, now that now that you've said it on top of my wife and my mom and all that stuff, now, now that you've said it, maybe I'll actually do it now that you've given me permission to go to bed. Oh, man, you need to sleep. Sleep is the most important, especially when the wife orders it for you. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> you gotta take the wife's advice. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So Eric and I were spending the first part of our conversation speaking on March Madness. We're now spending this part of it on the NFL free agency frenzy. And Eric and I were discussing off the air here that's, you know, not just the free agency frenzy, but what the Rams are doing so far in free agency and, and who they've picked up and and just what this free agent tracker has has brought their way as we're looking at all the teams and, and what everybody's picked up. I wanna I wanna go to the Rams right now. They they kept uh, Nickel Roby Coleman. They kept John Sullivan, so their corner and their center respectively. They just signed for fourteen million dollars for one year and Dominican Sue away from Miami. Dominique Easley is another defensive tackle staying with LA. Uh, Ramick Wilson is is coming from Kansas City to LA right now. So they've made those free agent signings. They've also made a bunch of trades. What can you say about what the Rams are doing right now in, in their transactions? Because I know that that's something that you're very excited about. Oh, man, I love it. I love to see when teams go all in and try to win. A lot of teams be scared to spend money and try to win. When you're, when you're winning and your window is open, you've got to take advantage of it. So they cheered up weak parts on that team. Now you have two, what, top seven corners in the NFL, got two, what, probably top five or top six defensive tackles with the best defensive tackle in the league on the defensive line. Then you still got other guys that do their job well. The Marcus Joyner is a great free safety. And they have the other guy, uh, Johnson, that they drafted last year. And also, they still have boxes on the D-line. So they have shared, shared up areas in their defense where they really struggled at, like in the run game. Now you have two at, at one technique and down at a three technique. Who's better? Who has a better tandem in the middle of the net? So now you can stop the run and you still have your lead pass rush and you can put that pressure up the middle, which makes it even harder for a quarterback to not have to be rattled at all. I like pressure from the inside more than off the edge because and I think I think it's interesting here if we look at all the moves here uh, Malcolm Brown backup running back he he's staying Troy Hill corner is staying Tremaine Johnson is leaving going to the Jets uh, Nickel Roby Coleman as I said he's staying Sammy Watkins goes to the Chiefs Derek Carrier backup tight ends going to the Raiders Cody Davis is going to the Jaguars at free safety Matt uh, Longiker is is going to is staying part or signed a one year deal with the Rams to stay there. Sam Ficken, the kicker, staying. Tavon Austin, who has been up and down around the corner, he converted his remaining four year thirty six point one million dollar contract into one year five million. I think that's crazy. He took his four year contract, turned it into one million dollars. It's obviously a prove yourself year for him. Sullivan is staying. Our guy, your guy and my guy, Cam Lynch, who is connected to the Rams, he's going back to Tampa Bay, so we can talk about that in a second. And Dominican Sue just signed this week on March 26th. What do you think about Cam Lynch? He's found longevity in the NFL, and now he's heading back to Tampa. Oh, man, I'm so happy for him because that's one of my good friends from college. Like We're still on the group text. I'm just happy to see him keep living his dream out and keep prospering. But he's always going to find a way to stick because he's such an intelligent person and an intelligent football player. So I don't really have a problem with him fitting anywhere because he's just such an intelligent and a high-character guy. He's one of those guys that has infectious energy. When he's around, you just like in a good mood, and you see he does everything right. He's not going to 
cheat any of the process to be where he wants to be. He's going to work hard. He's going to put the time in. So I'm just so happy and proud for him. Yeah, you know, he and and he does. You know, he's he's found a way to to put himself in a really good position and move forward and and find that success. And and I think it's huge to to have opportunities like that. I mean, all you guys have gone out and fought hard. You got your experience of it. He's gotten his experience. Jay Bromley, who, you know, when he sees that you and I have conversations, he goes out and reposts that and, and supports that and whatnot. I mean, it, it's it's pretty amazing what you guys have done in and out of the sport of football. And, you know, Eric, I mean, you got to be proud of yourself for the time that you had in it and what you're doing now and your knowledge of the game and everything. And then the same respect with Brom and, and, and what he's doing, Cam and what he's doing. And then Jerome Smith just having, you know, having a baby and being a dad and everything he's put forward and Prince Tyson Gully and his training. I mean, you know, you guys have found success all over the place. And I think that that speaks volumes. And, and it also speaks volumes that you still have that group text and that family atmosphere as well. Oh, man, it's such a beautiful thing because when you go on to college, you start off as a young man. Now I'm seeing everybody develop into men, you know, people becoming fathers, living out their dreams, just being productive. Members of society is just so special, especially for a bunch of guys that come from all different walks of life. Like me and Brownlee are from two different areas, two different stories, but I love him like we have the same parents. You know, I'm just so happy for him. Him living out his dreams, doing all the things he didn't go through, then went through, and like such as came. Like we came in together. We were all on the same floor in uh, the summer start. Like all of my whole class. So it's just good to see these guys become great men, great members of society. Like when Jerome had his baby, I texted him. You know, just congratulations and good things like that. Just seeing also what he's doing with his uh, training facility in Delaware, and what Tyson is doing with his training. And everybody else, you know, it's, it's a lot of people doing a lot of good things and just probably don't broadcast it, but it's just such a good feeling to see everybody be great men and we still have these relationships to this day. You know, that's the best thing about us playing together and going to college is the relationships we built. Like, the game of football is going to end for everybody someday, whether theirs was in college, whether mine is now. You know, it's just good to see everybody doing something productive. You don't hear nothing bad about nothing. No, no, no. So that was just so great to see. Like you said, everybody supports each other, which is the best thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it shows that when a team says they're family, they put their money where their mouth is, for sure. When we look at, speaking of putting your money where your mouth is, some guys have been gotten paid at this point. The quarterback list, there's a lot of guys that have found homes at this point. Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, Drew Brees, Case Keenum, A.J. McCarron, Sam Bradford, Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, Blaine Gabbert, Mike Glennon, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tom Savage, Drew Stanton, Matt Barkley, Brock Osweiler, Chad Henney, Chase Daniel, E.J. Manuel, Tyler Bray, Brandon Whedon, Josh Johnson, and the trade, Cody Kessler, to the Jaguars as well. So we know that that life is there. Guess who is on that list that still hasn't found a home? And this is no disrespect, and this is no anger or anything. I'm just, I, I'm just, when he came into the NFL, I said after playing Syracuse, this guy was not an NFL quarterback, and I didn't buy his hype. We're still waiting on Geno Smith's home. This is not me wishing bad on Geno. I'm just making a little joke here. Geno Smith's still waiting. I thought he was your favorite quarterback. <laughs> no. Geno, <laughs> Geno's still looking for a place. EJ Manuel got, uh, got re-signed with Oakland. A little bit surprising there. 
What do you think about Cody Kessler and the Cleveland and the Cleveland Browns? You know, they part ways with him. The Jaguars gave up nothing. You know, somebody that one of the Jags fans said, "What did what did we give up to get Cody Kessler?" It's a 2019 conditional seventh round pick. It's absolutely nothing for a guy that they drafted just a couple of years ago. Cody Kessler is going to be the backup plan. Chad Henney is gone. Kessler is young. Kessler has started, and Kessler can actually provide some push to Blake Bortles in in practice. What do you think about the Cody Kessler signing with the Jaguars? They save a ton of money. They they give up barely nothing with a conditional seventh round pick next next season in 2019. So to me, all signs point to they made out in the deal. If Cody works out in any way, shape, or form, what do you think about it? Uh, I think it'd be good for him, especially if he's on a rookie deal. You don't have to spend in that six to seven million dollar range for a backup quarterback. You still got the youth at the position, or he's still growing and everything. But I'm not too high on him just as a, a quarterback. If you want to think he's going to go and compete, but as a backup, he can be a good backup, especially for the price he's at, where you don't have to overpay for a backup pen like Sanders did. And like I remember uh, when Mark Sanchez had signed one, he got like eight million dollars to be a backup. Yeah. You get $8 million. And there's some stars on the team when you make $8 million. So I think it's good for the price he's at. Yeah, you know. And the thing is, like I said, they gave up a conditional seventh round pick in 2019, which to me, that's that's more than all. It's not a fourth rounder. It's not anything this year. It's none of that. I mean, they bring him on. But I find it interesting how Cleveland is just shedding their draft pick quarterbacks, right? Deshaun Kaiser let him go to Green Bay. Cody Kessler let him go to Jacksonville. Minnesota is right by the Super Bowl. They're a lick away from the Super Bowl and playing it at home. And Case Keenum's on another team. Bridgewater's on another team. Bradford's on another team. They go and get Trevor Simeon and Kirk Cousins and put two totally new guys here after they made it as far as they did. What do you think about it? I mean, Cleveland is cleaning house and bringing in all new faces for the most part, and then Minnesota got rid of everybody that they had at quarterback, and now they have two new guys coming in. Uh, as far as Cleveland, I'll use a quote my high school coach, Coach Memphis, to tell him, if you do what you always done, you'll get what you always got. So if you keep drafting people you're not sold on, you're going to keep losing. They just, I feel like they try to drain our guys and plug them instead of finding their guy. They're so... Uh, they're so fond of trying to put pieces together. They missed out what on Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. They keep trying to trade for picks. I know they need a lot of help, but it's so much easier when you have that guy on the center. You go almost plug. You can have a couple, couple good players and just a couple solid guys. Look at the Patriots. They're not just no overly talented team, but they got number twelve on the center. Look at the Packers. They don't have just no superstars across the board, but they got Aaron Rodgers on the center. So it makes a difference when you have that guy that you know can lead you to a win when all things are going bad. So I think they just, like you said, it's kind of funny. They just shitting all the quarterbacks they've drafted over the years. So you basically wasted picks that you've basically given away. Yeah, you know. You second round pick on something else last year. If you're going to trade Deshaun Kaiser, what was the point of drafting him only a year in? Right. And when we look at, you know, what's, what has happened – with you know Minnesota, you know Minnesota Case Keenum parting ways with him, letting him go and and move forward. I found that kind of interesting. Sam Bradford and and Bridgewater, they don't stay healthy, so I can understand those two. But they're still getting jobs in the NFL. 
What do you think about what Minnesota's doing? I mean, they finally are paying Kirk Cousins and giving him more than a year to prove himself. He kept going through this franchise tag BS, and now he's got a few years under his belt to run Minnesota. What do you think about what's going on there and the fact that they went out and got Trevor Simeon and said, okay, you know, we got to have a backup. Let's let's make that Trevor Simeon. What do you think about the moves that Minnesota's made at quarterback at this point? I like I like what Minnesota's doing. They're kind of on the uh, the Ram scheme of things of trying to win it all. They felt like this was their guy, and they didn't waste time or try to BS around or try to find different options. Oh, we might bring Keenan back. We might want to stay with Bridgewater. They identified their guy, and they went and got him. I like the types of decisions like that because – they went and got him, so I'm assuming they can live with whatever happens now. But I don't think it's going to be successful unless they win the Super Bowl. My personal opinion, you made it this far with Case Keenum, so you're just going to be an NFC Championship or NFC uh, Division Round team every year. It's not really a successful move with that, even though you might be set up for the next seven to ten years with Kirk Cousins. A guy, if you don't get a Super Bowl out his tenure in Minnesota, it really wasn't that much a successful move because you got one game away from the Super Bowl with Case Kingdom. So I believe they really have to win the Super Bowl and continue, therefore, to be successful. But I like what they're doing because they identify who they want. They spent what they had to spend, even. And they were so sure they guaranteed all this money, which has never happened in the NFL. So they have the utmost confidence in themselves. So. And he has the weapons around him. He has two good receivers, a good tight end. He got Dalvin Cook coming back and a tremendous defense. So it's a lot of potential there. So I'm interested to see what they do this year. It's just interesting because, you know, Minnesota made it as far as they did with Case Keenum, but here's the thing. They did it. They went as far as they did with Case Keenum and with this Vikings team while Aaron Rodgers was sitting at home having to watch these games. So I I think, you know, what it comes down to is, you know, they got to get out of their division and they got to figure out life after Green Bay. Now, I don't necessarily think that Green Bay is what they used to be, and I don't think that Green Bay is as dangerous as maybe – they have been in recent years and you know the Jordy Nelson thing I said maybe they know something we don't know by letting him go after he's had you know some injuries in in recent history here but they they just they're trying to make it happen they're trying to find some good you know running backs they drafted some young guys and they're waiting to see what pans out what comes of that and whatnot but when I'm looking at you know this this Green Bay team and I'm looking at Minnesota and I'm saying to myself you know, Minnesota didn't have to worry about Aaron Rodgers for the majority of the season. So what's that going to look like this year? And Kirk Cousins has been a starter before and, you know, people love him and he was a great guy out there and so many people wanted him, but he's still an unproven starter. So, you know, they're, they're on paper, it looks good on paper. It feels good. But at the end of the day, he's got a tough division and if the Lions get any better, and the Bra- and the Bears, pardon me, have spent a ton of money to get better in this offseason, and they've gone after a bunch of different guys, you know, I don't think it's going to be what it was for Minnesota last year, and Kirk Cousins is going to have to prove himself and prove himself really quick this year. Oh, he definitely does, because he has all the pieces in place. You can use an uh, excuse I had no receivers in Washington. You got Diggs and Thielen which are one of the top five tandems in the NFL. And you also got Rudolph at tight end, who's very consistent. And you got two running backs. You uh, pay Latavius Murray last year, and you draft the Devin Cook. So you got a run game. Then you got a ferocious pass rush on the defense end with a shutdown corner and a top, top-tier top safety in Harrison Smith. So it's in. You got uh, Anthony Barr linebacker. So you got pieces at every level on that team. 
So if now you have to prove what you can do and prove why they paid you because, honestly, you can make an argument Kirk Cousins is the third best quarterback in the uh, conference if you believe in that Matt Stafford that much because we know Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the league. So who's number two in the conference? You can make an argument that Matt Stafford has had a better tenure as a quarterback than Kirk Cousins as a starter. And like you said, he hasn't won anything, but I think he might play better now that he has an organization who believes in him. You can't get franchise tag, and they really don't want you, which that does your psyche and your confidence. So I'm interested to see how he competes this year. Yeah, I'm interested to see where he goes. Speaking here, Dan Tortora with Eric Kroom, Syracuse and NFL alum. You know, I'm very, I'm very interested to see what happens this year with Kirk Cousins because there is no excuse. And, you know, for Case Keenum, it really does. I mean, it, it pisses me off. I mean, I don't know Case personally, but, you know, moves like that really do kind of irk me that here's this guy that's your third string guy and then Teddy's not ready and, and Bradford's hurt again. So you have to give the ball to Case Keenum and hope that he can do some good things with it. And he brings you all the way to that point. There's a miracle game that gets them really, really close to getting into the Super Bowl and that final play and whatnot. And, you know, and then we sit here today discussing this team and and there is no Case Keenum and he's on another team and he's got to try and find his way. And, you know, can he get some playing time and will he get some respect? You know, he's got a two-year, $36 million deal with Denver and Denver doesn't know who the hell their quarterback's going to be. So, and it's it's just it's one of those situations where I just feel like you know it's unfair treatment and it's kind of like thank you for getting us here we'll see you another time and you know it's 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 like the girl that you wanted to bring to the dance didn't want to go with you so this other girl who's really really sweet was like yeah I'll go with you to the dance and she really really likes you and then you get to the dance and then that girl that you didn't bring to the dance is like you know what. I'll dance with you a couple songs, and then and then you just kind of push that other girl into the punch bowl, and you just pretend like you never came with her. Like that to me is that's not the way to go. Yeah, so he really has to. I feel for Case Keenum, but man, still is making eighteen million dollars, so I can't really be <laughs> that upset for him. But then he's in a good situation where he has a good uh, ownership and with John Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and some pieces around, so I'm interested to see what he does. So it's kind of, it also puts the pressure back on Kirk Cousins because if you don't win now, there's going to be hindrance of them resigning some of their pieces in Minnesota, so you have to win. Especially even if they do win, you know, just from prior experience, Super Bowl winning teams never be the same as their Super Bowl because a lot of people get paid off those teams because people love winners. Yeah, so now, you know. If they don't win, they have to sign Diggs after the season. And Anthony Brown was two of their young pieces now. So it's going to hinder one of those guys. They're on the verge of losing one of those guys. So you have to win. It has to be. That's why I say it has to be Super Bowl and buzz because you're going to lose pieces eventually. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. You know, teams are never the same after the Super Bowl because guys that were flying under the radar that were a third stringer on somebody's team are going to get paid. I mean, Keelan Cole stepped up and did enough for the Jaguars to be like, okay, you know what? We don't need to spend money on Allen Robinson. So now Keelan Cole steps up. Let's say the team, uh, let's say the Jaguars make it to the Super Bowl or they make it back to the AFC Championship. Now all of a sudden Keelan Cole's worth more money and now there's a conversation of who's going to, you know, overspend or, or even spend accurately to go out and get him. So, you know, it, it really does. It comes down to... Guys that, that don't have the platform, and then they get the platform, and 
you got to take advantage of that platform while you're a part of it because then they're going to jump to somebody else's platform potentially and they're going to help another team out because they might be your three but they're going to be somebody else's one and you know that's really what it comes down to I mean I I think Allen Robinson is in a position right now with Chicago where he could go there and and you know show that his body is right and I hope to God he's healthy and I've always appreciated talking with him you know he could go there and, and show them a lot of things or he could bust out you know, in, in, in Chicago and, and let them down. And then they're like, why do we spend all this money? And then Jacksonville's going, hey, we got three receivers for the price of that one guy, and we're doing okay for ourselves once again. So, you know, it, it's you're rolling the dice. You're hoping that you can figure it out. But, you know, people overspend on Allen Robinson because he was a number one receiver, and Chicago seems to have forgotten that he was not a part of their run, you know, Jacksonville's run to almost getting to the Super Bowl. He was no part of that whatsoever on the field. And to say, well, Jacksonville's had a lot of success, so let's bring this guy in. Yeah, that's nice. He was catching passes and doing heroic things when the team was winning three games a year. When the team is winning 12 games, he's on the sideline. So, you know, they rolled the dice on somebody that Jacksonville said, we made this run without him, so we don't necessarily need him to move forward. And I understand the logic of that. And at the same time, Chicago saying we got to make a big splash, a big move, get a big guy, get a number one, but he's a year off of being a number one receiver. And when he was the number one receiver, he was doing good things personally, but not good things as the team together were they doing. So, you know, it's 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 just interesting the logic of it all. I think you stood though. Oh, I I don't think I don't by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, I want the best for him by, you know, by every single means. I love spending time with him. I love speaking with him. And I appreciated the heck out of him when he was at Penn State. But, you know, to me, I'm just saying these guys, these teams, they spend a lot of money on these guys hoping that, you know, they got a steal in somebody and that they took him away from Jacksonville. And that's what I said about Jacksonville. I wasn't, you know, privy to, you know, I'm not sitting in the room with Doug Marone and 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 uh, and Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell and whatnot when they're having Shad Khan, when they're having these conversations. But I can imagine that if Allen Robinson went to them and said, you know, I want this much money, and they look down at it and they go, well, we did all this without him last year. We'll pay you this much because we really don't need to pay you all that money. And he was like, well, I'm going to go test the waters elsewhere. You know, I could see that being a conversation because he didn't have a leg to stand on with Jacksonville, but he's still very attractive to the other teams that were out there. I think – Personally, Jacksonville just realized what their identity was. We're going to run the football and play good defense. They invested all their money in their defense, which took them to the AFC Championship now, so they realized they have an identity now. Instead of trying to spread so much things out through the offense, they realized, okay, we got Blake Borders. We got a good run game. We can use these other receivers just to do what we need enough to win. So we're going to play good defense. We're going to run the ball, throw a lot of play action. Hit our, hit our marks there, and that's how we want to win football games. Like you said, they probably realized they wasn't winning when they had uh, Hearns and uh, Allen Robson when they had both of those. They had them good years and everything, but they had three or four wins. And, and some Blake Bortles had a lot of stats, but they were losing. You know, it's easy. Those 10 yards, we get down 20, not doing them, throwing the ball. So now they realize the identity, and they're, I think they're preparing for the future because they're not going to have to get Jalen Ramsey top corner money when it's time to get paid. And they still have a high-paid corner on the side, Jay Bouye. Got Calais Camp, you just gave him a lot of money. 
then you got those young ends that are going to come up uh, in Gawkway, and I don't know if they're going to do uh, Dante Fowler. Then you still got guys that make a lot of money. Marcel Darius, even though he got traded there, he has a big contract. Then you pay Malik Jackson a lot of money. Then you just pay Andrew Norwell a lot of money in the offensive line. So you should up sharing your offensive defensive lines now. So where you're going to keep spreading the money through, and you still have to just get some pieces. You can't just have a big money guy every position. It doesn't work that way because somebody's going to come up short when it's their time to get paid. So they just identify their identity. Okay, we're going to be tough up front. We're going to play good defense. We're going to run the football. So now you get a premier offensive guard that will help you run the football. Then you keep your defense attack. So now you have your identity. Then you draft uh, Cam Robinson, the young tackle. Draft A.J. Cam, when, uh, my rookie, when he was rookie Jack, you draft him. You got Linder and Center, so now you got your core group of guys now that you're going to uh, use your identity with now. Be strong up front, play defense, and run the ball. So now you got the pieces in place. Yeah, you're going to win in the trenches, and, and they needed to – they wanted to bolster up their guard position, so that's what they did. They re-signed Patrick Omame, and then, then they went out – and spent a lot of money and, and pulled somebody away from Carolina. And, you know, th- that's what they're looking to do. And and they've also, with Niles Paul and with Austin Safarian Jenkins, they brought in two more tight ends. Mikel Rivera, they declined the option. He was injured most of the season. He didn't do anything on the team last year when he came over from Oakland. So they're like, okay, you know, we can, we can shed that money. We don't need that. We don't need him on the team. And Mercedes Lewis, I'm kind of surprised. I thought, you know, when he signed the three-year deal, they were going to let him retire there. That was kind of a, a move that I understand the move that they're making for the future. But at the same time, I was like, he gave you guys everything. So, you know, that was kind of sad to see them let him go like that. You what? I didn't like that. I didn't like that move because I know he means to the team for me being there. He's just a leader and uh, such a good guy, though. Like, he's a real good guy. Yeah, and that, that was the thing that really, I mean, that, that kind of irked me and that got me too because I've been around him for so long. And, you know, for as long as I've been around the team the last nine years, you know, he's been there. He's a one consistent. He was the only thing left from the, from you know, the old guard. And the last time they made the playoffs, he was the only guy on the team from the last time in 2007-8 to this time that they did in 2017-18. So, you know, to me it was just, it was an unsavory move. I didn't really appreciate it. I think that they could have kept him on. He wasn't costing them a lot of money. I, I'm I'm against the Austin Safarian Jenkins move because I think there's a lot of other tight ends that haven't had trouble off the field that they could have gone out and got. I know they got Niles Paul, but I'm hoping that maybe they just brought in Austin Safarian Jenkins to work him out and see what he has and see what he's capable of and that, you know, if, if once they get the pieces that they need together that maybe they cut him loose because – I mean, that locker room is a good locker room, and to bring in somebody that's an off-the-field problem, I I just, I don't understand the Jacksonville motive, especially with Tom Coughlin being at the helm of this thing with Doug Marone. Neither one of those, I mean, those are no BS guys, so I don't understand the Austin Safarian Jenkins move. Yeah, but I guess they saw some in them. You never know what team see them. I guess probably they think now because they have such a strong locker room with a lot of veterans that they can keep everything together and they have strong leadership up top with uh, Tom Coughlin. And Coach Marone is really kind of like a no-nonsense guy. So I'm pretty sure they laid everything out on the table for him before he signed up. So it's interesting to see how it works out. Yeah, it definitely will be interesting to see as we move forward here. And as always, it's always good to have the man on the show, Eric Kroom, Syracuse and NFL alum. 
Eric, thank you so much for taking some time with us this morning and speaking to March Madness and NFL free agency and the Jacksonville Jaguars and everything that's coming up. We have plenty of conversations coming. We have the draft coming up as well. So plenty more from Eric and I, I'm sure, as we move forward. And thank you, as always, for taking some time. No problem. Until next time. Have a good one to get you some good rest. (laughs) All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And say hi to your daughter, okay? No problem. Have a good one. All right. Take care. That coming from Eric Kroom once again. We're going to take a quick step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora and wrap up the show with Through the Looking Glass in just a moment. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Happy to have you here on the broadcast every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It is now time, as every Thursday show that we round it out, to discuss a trending topic. Deeper look at a trending topic through the looking glass 
is what we are doing today through the looking glass every Thursday to round out the show, typically around 10.50 a.m. Eastern time. Today we went a little bit later, so we're doing it right now through the looking glass brought to you by Looking Glass Events, taking a deeper look at a trending topic. And that trending topic today is that it's opening day for baseball. It's still cold in Syracuse. There's still snow on the ground, yet it is opening day for baseball, folks. Opening day is finally here. Baseball is back. Ross Turetsky, great friend of mine. I consider him my brother and a sports writer as well in Northeast Pennsylvania. The man is ecstatic. He's been trying to tell me over and over again how excited he is. And baseball is back. Baseball is here. Opening week, opening day. It's all here. Baseball this week came back to us. And on Thursday, March 29th, we have Chicago at my Chicago Cubs at Miami Marlins, the St. Louis Cardinals at the New York Mets, Minnesota Twins at the Baltimore Orioles, Houston Astros at the Texas Rangers, New York Yankees at the Toronto Blue Jays, Boston Red Sox at the Tampa Bay Rays, Los Angeles Angels at the Oakland A's, Philadelphia Phillies at the Atlanta Braves. We also have the Milwaukee Brewers at the San Diego Padres, Chicago White Sox at the Kansas City Royals, San Francisco Giants at the Los Angeles Dodgers, Cleveland Indians at the Seattle Mariners, Colorado Rockies at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Two games postponed, the Pittsburgh Pirates at the Detroit Tigers and the Washington Nationals at the Cincinnati Reds. Outside of that, we got a full list of games Seven or seven of them. Four of them are on ESPN tonight or today. 12.30 p.m. Eastern time, just a little while on ESPN. Chicago Cubs at the Miami Marlins at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Houston Astros at the Texas Rangers. 7 p.m. San Francisco Giants at the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the Cleveland Indians at the Seattle Mariners at 10 p.m. Eastern time tonight. So from 12.30 until midnight, almost 12 straight hours, half a day of baseball, will be on ESPN today, folks. It's coming. It is on its way. Everybody's straight up zeros right now. Opening day, today, Thursday, March 29th. Baseball is back. Even though it's March, and it's still March Madness, and it's cold as a mother outside, baseball is back. We'll look to see what the Houston Astros can do this time around if they can continue after being the reigning champions. We have the American League East with Baltimore, Boston, New York, Toronto, and Tampa, the Yankees, that is, for New York. In the Central in the American League, we have the White Sox, the Indians, the Tigers, the Royals, and the Twins. In the West, we have the Angels, the Athletics, the Mariners, the Rangers, and the reigning champion Astros. In the National League in the East, the Braves, the Nationals, the Mets, the Phillies, the Marlins. In the Central Division... The Brewers, the Cubs, the Reds, the Pirates, and the Cardinals. And in the West Division, the Dodgers, the the Padres, the Giants, the Rockies, and your Arizona Diamondbacks. And Pat Corbin from Cicero North Syracuse, the North Stars. Pat Corbin still in the rotation of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I believe he's their starting pitcher for this game. I want to make sure that's... Quote, don't quote me on that right now. I think you, well, I think you can quote me on it. I believe that he is going to be the guy here for this game. I want to just get the information 
on what we have here for this. But I believe, yeah, Pat Corbin will be at the mound against John Gray in the first career season opening start for each. So big shout out to Pat Corbin, who's been on this show a couple times. Appreciate him very much. God bless and thank you so much for listening to today's show. God bless and happy opening day to baseball fans everywhere in the world. And to Looking Glass events with a deeper look at a trending topic, letting you know the schedule for opening day from Kira Wasserback and the team at Looking Glass events. Call them for your event in central and upstate New York, any event. A bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah, anniversary, a birthday, a wedding, a sports banquet, a convention, a retreat, a day away, whatever you're going to do. 315-702-4653. 315-702-4653. We all have events. We all try to plan them out to the best of our ability. When it comes to crossing your T's, dotting your I's, and knowing the good venues, the good food, the right people to call, the florist, making sure that you save some money here, save some money there, put out some fires and do things the right way. Kira Wasserback and Looking Glass Events is who to call. 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Thank you so much for tuning in to Wake Up Call. I'll be back with you tomorrow. I can't believe it's Friday already. Friday, folks. Easter is on Sunday. I'm not prepared for that. Easter, Sunday. Wow. Okay, well, got to get ready someday. I guess that day is going to have to be today. I will see you tonight at Muddy Waters for game show night, CNY game show night, Wake Up Call's very own creation. It bonds Pictionary and Family Feud, and it bonds families, friends, coworkers, and colleagues together every Thursday at 7 p.m. Come out and see us at Muddy Waters at 7 p.m., Tonight and every Thursday, March 29th is where we're going to be there tonight at 7 o'clock right on 2 Oswego Street in Ballinsville, New York to play some CNY game show night. And then you'll hear from me tomorrow morning. We'll start off the show with the annoying moment of the week. My One of my favorite things that I get to do every single week at 9 a.m. Eastern time, proudly presented by Carvel DeWitt. Then we'll go, then we'll go to significant sound bites, sound bites, pardon me, Significant sound bites. I haven't announced this to anybody. That's why when you listen live, you get stuff before everybody else gets stuff. You remember the Miracle on Ice, right? 1980. U.S. beats the Soviet Union. Well, Mike Ramsey, who spent almost two decades in the NHL, before he did that, he was on that 1980 U.S. team that won the gold medal, and he's going to be on the show in Significant Sound Bites tomorrow morning exclusively on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And then after that, we'll get into the second hour of the show and get into some of these topics that I've been waiting to talk about throughout the week this week. So make sure you're listening on Friday at 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, mixlr.com backslash DT. God bless, have a great day, and make sure you find me on Twitter at calldt, Instagram at wakeupcall underscore dt, and on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT. Be good to each other, be good to yourself, and be good to God because, yeah, there is something that exists above humanity, and I would want to do the best I possibly can with every single day to say thank you for the life I got. So that's what I'm going to do. I hope you do that as well. Be good.